Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. As a community, we've been looking at the various personal prisons we can find ourselves in. This week is week four, and today we'll be looking at self-neglect. I believe that some of us here are self-neglecting and may not even be aware of it. This book has been inspired, this series has been inspired by a profound book called The Gift by Dr. Egith Alga. I said that right? I've actually read the whole book. It's very sad, uh, but quite a hitter. I must warn you, you're going to need a box of tissues and at least a toilet roll to get through midway, but it's a cracker. She said something quite profound. She said, as a psychologist, as a mother, a grandmother, and a great-grandmother, as an observer of my own and others' behavior, and as an Auschwitz survivor, I'm here to tell you that the worst prison is not the one the Nazis put me in. The worst prison is the one I built for myself. It's big. I believe we all live fast-paced lives here, and that a lot of us are just trying to get on with the job, and we're not actually taking time to stop and reflect that uh, on the prisons that we sometimes build for ourselves or find ourselves in. Matthew 16 verse 19 says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the theme. Our Father who art in heaven. We have an opportunity here this morning to see people being released from these prisons. I'm trusting for a fresh perspective, at least this morning. That what we bind here this morning will also be bound in heaven. I would like to start off with a story from Elisha. Oh, wait, Moses first. People don't know this, but God actually, just before the, uh, the Exodus, where God took his people from Egypt into the Promised Land, when he crossed over into the Promised Land, God used to speak to his people directly. You know, my mind's so creative. I'm like, hey, what you doing? I'm giving God voices, you know. But I, I, God used to interact with his people directly. But if you read, and it goes on, it's, it speaks about the people got a bit scared of this, you know. Um, I can imagine God being like, what you up to? You know what I mean? Like, could get people a bit rattled. So the people go to God and, or to Moses, and they say, please, can you ask God? We don't want to deal with you directly. It's kind of a bit scary. Can, can, can you find a spokesperson in the group? These spokespeople become later known as the prophets. And Moses becomes the intermediate between the people and God, which is, which is cool. Now, Elisha was one of these prophets who lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. At this time, Israel went to war with itself and had a schism between 
to, uh, cut in two, Judea and the northern kingdom of Israel. He was famous for the, the events described in 2 Kings 1 verse 10, where he called down fire from heaven. <clears throat> Elijah, at this point, was going all out for God. All out. If you read the book of Kings, it's Packed with action. There's so much going on. Elijah's dropping fire from heaven. Then he's, these people are dying and they're chasing him and he's running. He was fleeing for his life at this point. To the point he's doing so much for God, he starts to neglect his own physical needs. We read in 1 Kings 19 verse 3 to 8. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judea, and, the, and left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Talk about a moan, hey? Essentially, Elijah is so burnt out He's asking the Lord to take his life. Let's pick up on this a bit later. Self-neglect can be many things. But usually, it's when an individual allows, them, allows themselves to give beyond what they can sustain to the point where it starts destroying them. As I'm saying this, I'm just shaking all the heads. I'm like, we free? I got the right crowd here today. When you're giving and you're giving and, some, and something or someone or a job needs more from you and you carry on giving, you're like, I can't sustain this. And you give and you give and eventually it feels like it's destroying you. That's a version of self-neglect. <clears throat> Perhaps some of us today feel as though our souls are being a bit neglected. Dr. Egith Alga speaks about something quite interesting. She says, when we try to live up to others' expectations of ourselves, we can very easily neglect ourselves. Whew, guys, it's quiet in this church today. Whew. I'm, I'm, I think we can leave it there. Worship band, let's call it a day. I don't know about you. I think we've all been there. Yeah? I think we've all been there, trying to live up to someone's expectations of who they think we should be. Sure, that's a hardcore treadmill to be on. It's exhausting. And if it's not anything specific, like anything I've just mentioned, life itself can be absolutely crazy. Society is driven to the max. Minimum wages used to be able to provide for a family. Now minimum wages are enough just to survive. There's a difference. There's been a shift. There's this concentration drug called Ritalin. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with it. It was meant for kids with learning difficulties. Not lightly prescribed because it gives a lot of side effects. Super high anxiety. It stunts creativity. There's a lot of things. Sleeping patterns can be disrupted. It's a powerful drug. It works on the brain. In South Africa, the drug has been so over-prescribed that it's been bumped up. Then it got bumped up again. Now it's been bumped up again. 
my wife is a doctor and can't prescribe it for me who has a learning difficulty. I'm like, this is weird. I don't know why I have to go to somebody else for this thing. It just keeps on going up. It keeps on going up. Kids in school are being pushed to perform and pushed to perform. So it's this treadmill. And if a kid is just averagely performing at school, it's not good enough. There's this, there's this drive. Society is pushing and pushing for more and more. Ritalin is the 51st most prescribed drug in the world. At the moment, just in the United States, 14 million kids go to school on it every single day of their lives. There's something wrong with the school and society, not the children. Perhaps, this is not a part of the message, just enjoy it. <laughs> Perhaps society is so far driven, it's gone beyond what we humans can sustain. Hey? I don't feel this is normal. I don't think this is the way God made it. You see, none of us can be completely immune to self-neglect. We need to watch out for this in our lives. It's like a cancer. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we could do is that we need to start being a little bit more self-ish. The only time, guys, you're going to hear that word, that sentence. My pastor told me today I could be selfish. Kind of, preaching's decent at this place. Eh? We need to be a little bit more self-ish. Grant said it, it's true. We are human beings, not human doings. We have needs that need to be taken care of, and that's okay. Did you just hear what I said? I just told you you can put, put pause on the treadmill. That treadmill that you blasted in here, you got the kids ready, everyone's fed, everyone's breathing in the car, get out, get out the car, we've got lunch after this, and we're going to go visit grannies, and then we're going to, then we've got the, you can stop. You've got needs. God put them there. <clears throat> God, it's how God made us with these needs. Fatigue is a God-given emotion. It's a sign to recalibrate and recharge. Don't ignore it. Dr. Edith says, it's good to be selfish-ish. She puts a little ish there. I love it. To practice self-love and self-care. I'm not asking you to bully someone out the way so you can have your way. I'm asking you to love yourself. You see, each one of us have 10 pebbles. These 10 pebbles represent our weekly capacity. So that's your week's energy right there. Boom. Represented in 10 pebbles. Jordan Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist, says this. If you are just a parent, you've got a kid. I'm not talking about lots of kids here. I'm talking about one or two maybe. And you're married. 
Out of those, uh, five, out of those ten pebbles, six to eight are going to be used on that just in the week. That's managing relationships. That's just getting people ready. And trust me, the parents and the grandmothers in this place, the grandparents, they know. They know what it's like raising kids. It takes an army and an ATM. <laughs> School fees, guys. Jeez. Serious business, that. You only have two pebbles left. You only have two left. That's not a lot. That is not a lot. You know what's crazy? If you don't throw up the brakes, your life just absorbs those. Like this. It's like, we're going to start the week. It's Friday again. I'm like, where did the week go? It's like, okay, well, uh, oh, it's Monday again. Where did the weekend go? It's like, oh, sheesh. We need to be protective over these pebbles. We need to be focusing these on activities that recharge us. Whether it's running, gymming, playing games, watching Netflix. I'm not here trying to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Only you know what really chills you out. I'm serious. You should not give from your remainder. At, you should not give from your remainder all the time. We do ourselves no favors when we start using our remaining pebbles on tasks, chores, work, toxic people. Just, just let that one. Okay, we're going to move on. Bad relationships. Some of us are putting a lot of energy into relationships that are super toxic. Are these things giving to us? Because those last two pebbles are precious. Dr. Edith says, generosity isn't generosity when we are giving at the expense of ourselves. Come on. Generosity isn't generosity when we are giving at the expense of ourselves. Yes, there are seasons that will sometimes require those last two pebbles, and sometimes even more. Though we need to try and avoid giving them away. When we use more than our allotted ten pebbles, we're just borrowing from tomorrow's allotment. Oh, I've been pushing so hard, I've been burning. Suddenly burn out. Suddenly someone snaps. This is truth. Go speak to students who are doing that last-minute cram, like, I've been going to bed 2 a.m. for a week. (laughs) They crash and burn later, but they can because they've got no responsibilities. After the exam, it's party time. But not so much for us. People look to you. People are relying on you. People need you to be at good energy levels, not burnt out, not self-neglecting. We need to protect these. You see, it is how you use these two pebbles that make you the you that people love to love. Thank you, Mr. Hey. We're going to do that one more time. It's how you use these two pebbles that make you the you that people love to love. It makes you more you. You need to find something that makes you feel like you, like more of you, 
like the best version of you. Then we need to prioritize that as part of your life. That's the gig. Single people. Talking to you. That is part of your gig. When I met, this is not, again, we're sidetracking. I met Meg. I'm like, listen, I play video games. That's what I like to do. She's like, but you're a grown man. I'm like, and that's it. I play video games, and it's awesome. I love it. Hit me up online. Let's jam. Just being honest. I had a store. I had a, um, I had a lecturer. And uh, his wife came to chat to us, and she was just talking uh, just about, he's got this, uh, his name was Lee, and he had this old bike at the bottom of the garden, and he would go there and fix that thing. She's like, he's been fixing that old bike for months. I'm telling you, it's never going to run. But she said, you know, it's so interesting. Every time he comes back after like two hours on the weekend of fixing that thing, he's a new man. He's got so much time and energy for us. Then she said something which I've never forgotten. She said, letting him spend time there is like an investment into our marriage. Mm. Mm. The preaching's good today. (laughs) I'm loving it. Sometimes you prep and you realize you're preaching to yourself. There are things in here. Dr. Edith says, it's true that generosity and compassion are important to foster, but too much selflessness leaves everyone deprived. Everyone loses out when we give up those last two. I'd like to ask you two questions. What do you do to recharge the best version of yourself? Married people, what recharges your partner? Are you providing space for that? Truth is, when we stop abandoning ourselves, we need to stop abandoning ourselves and start coming through a bit more for ourselves. C.S. Lewis said something quite interesting. He says, if you put the first things first, you get the second things thrown in. When you put the second things first, you lose both. It's a priority thing. It's a priority thing. What are the things that you love to do? Unfortunately, the church hasn't been a great example in this, dating back. If we look at church history, I mean, have you ever heard a sermon like this? Jesus died for us on the cross. You need to give more of yourselves. You need to die to yourself. Your selfish ways must die, die, die. Like, ah! like the man, the church is famous for these sorts of things. And the thing is, is that like, if, if, if you're not keeping an eye on that, or if you're new to church and you don't have the context to which that is being taught and holistically, you can take that as like, God hates me and I must die and be more like him. Do you think it was a pleasure for Jesus to die on the cross? We must die to ourselves. John 3 verse 30, we must become less and less and he must become more and more. Matthew 16 verse 24, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We can do this all day. The church even built a methodology around it called ascetism. Severely, the definition of it is severe discipline to avoid all forms of indulgence and pleasure. Anything that you like that recharges you is forbidden because it's God's going to credit you as holiness. It's like, oh, I really want to just eat something delicious. 
But the Lord, you see my suffering. Oh, it pleases you. I'm glad we're laughing. Because it does sound a bit ridiculous. Is there truth in some of these teachings? Absolutely. But I believe sometimes they can be pulled out of the context. Some of these teachings can leave us feeling like we're undeserving of a break. It's like whoever can stay on the edge of burnout the longest wins. We need to stop this kind of thinking. Cut it dead in your homes. Put a flamethrower to it in your workplace. It's not of the Lord. Remember, God worked six days, took seven out. His instructions to his people was Shabbat, Sabbath day. Do not work on Friday to Saturday night. You don't work. You must relax. The best version of you isn't the self-neglected one. I need to remind you that God has called you to flourish in life, not just to cope. This life is a gift from God, and we honor God by enjoying it to the fullest. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, For no eyes see, no ears heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Jeremiah 29 verse 7, For I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Not to work you to death so you want to end your own life. The Lord loves you and wants you to be more of you, more of He made you. He's not interested in you becoming like Him or who you think He is. He digs you. He made you with all your quirks. That little sense of humor of yours, He digs it. Yes, there are seasons that are much tougher than others, but we need to stop abandoning ourselves. We need to, we need to love on our greatest investment, which is us. Remember I spoke about Elijah earlier. What do you think the Lord's response would have been to Elijah? Punishment. Nice hard punishment for being lazy on the job. Look what the victory has given him. Punish. Perhaps a motivational speech. Maybe like a Rocky. Give him a little motivational speech. What do you think it is? Let's jump down the verse a little bit. Then he lay and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. Look around. And there beside his head was a baked bread on, a, on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and had another nap. Then the angel of the Lord came down again, touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. On the, or the journey of the head will be too much for you. God's great answer, God's great answer was, bro, you need to stop. You need to rest. You need to recalibrate. Here's some food. Have some food. Have a nap. Have another nap. Have some more, child. Are you feeling good? Are you ready to move on? Let's go. We serve a God, a realistic God. God's not in heaven thinking, why these people can't get it right? He sent his son down. He's fully aware of the human condition and understands how tricky it is down here. You need to be kind to yourself. You need to rest in God. Here are three keys. We can, we can use to free ourselves from self-neglect. I want to make this as practical as possible. 
Anything we practice, we become better at. Number one. Anything we practice, we become better at. And some of you, and, and even me sometimes, we've had a troublesome past, let's say. Maybe it's a really radical story. Like maybe like a Jared Smith story, which he's come here and shared openly. And you just want to run from your past. You just want to run, and you're not going to stop running. And you're running yourself, and you're giving off those stones because you just want to run from that past. Maybe it's something else. But you know what? You may, your first attempt to slowing down might be a dismal one, but it's an attempt. And the next one will be better. And you continue. Whatever we practice at, we become better at. And not to forget, you're not alone. You've got this beautiful house here, these beautiful people around you, and the Holy Spirit within you. You've got all of heaven on your side. You are set up for a win before you've even started trying. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The first sip of the coffee in the morning. Stop. Enjoy it. Feel the warmth of the sun on your skin. Stop. Pause. Enjoy it. A hug from someone you love. Amen. Hugging your kids and holding on to them when they want to get away. It's like, no, this is a long hug. You know, we're going to still a little bit. It's a special thing. It's warm. It's like a warmth that's exchanged. Cherishing that. Take time to notice and experience joy where you can. Number two, work, love, play. Make a chart if you have to. That shows how you're using your pebbles, how you're using your allocated time. Look at how much time you work, how much time you give to chores, how much time you give to yourself. You know, it's amazing when it's all on a chart, you can see quite clearly where those shortfalls are. It's like your diet. Put up your diet out, you're like, oh, there's shortfalls there. It's just amazing how visually you can see exactly where your time's going. Plot it out. And then adjust it to suit you. Thirdly, show yourself some love. Ask yourself this question. What can I do this week to show myself some love? And last but most importantly, ask the Holy Spirit for counsel. You've got a God just waiting to help you step in, intervene, and, and iron out the rocky path.